To the orchard. The question this morning is, what if the church acted like the church? What would that be like? And I want to start with a question before that, underneath that. What do you think of when you think of the church? What does that word church bring to mind, to your heart? Most likely, if we're honest, it brings to mind a place, a location, a room, a Sunday, a time. But for some of them, and I've, I've talked to many people, even after last service, it brings up something more painful. As a pastor, I've had a lot of friends who have encountered the church, and because of the way they've been treated, they have left their faith in God and want nothing to do with God. Author Brendan Manning wrote that the leading cause of people rejecting God isn't actually God himself. He says that the leading reason people reject God is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out of their church buildings and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. So for some of us today, the question, uh, what do you think of when you think of the church, is a negative thought. You've been wounded. You've had hard times. In fact, being here might be a challenge for you. Listening to this, watching along, this might be hard for you. For many, it, the word church is just kind of brings up an indifferent feeling. For most of us, if I asked you to show me a church, you would take me to a place, to a location. And January is always a good time to go back over some of the basic bedrock foundation truths of who we are before we dive into this new series in February. And today we're going to look at this much aligned, much maligned and misused and abused word, church. Church has done a lot of things down through the ages, both glorious and tragic. We have a reputation across the spectrum for many different things. That word church, what does it mean to you, to those around you? Now, interesting, the first thing to know about church is that the word isn't found in the Bible in its original language. They don't have the word church. In fact, the word church actually came from the Goths. Now, I don't mean the eyeliner, write poetry about your parents' Goths. I mean the Goths of the uh, 300 AD who conquered much of Europe. Different Goths, okay? The word church didn't show up until hundreds of years after Jesus. And there's a very strong argument to be made that the word church maybe shouldn't be in our Bibles at all. And you'll find out why. It's strange, isn't it, to even think about that. The very thing that we in our American culture, we have come to associate with God and religion is the church. It's something that God may never have intended in the way that we think of it, in the way that we interact with it. So I'm going to go to the Old Testament first and look back, back before Jesus, when the, the Hebrews were worshiping God at a place, at the temple. The presence of God was there in that ancient time in that building. He would come down to be with his people. And the people of God, they would go to Jerusalem, to the building, to the place where God was, had come down. What would that look like? The temple. Well, it was an amazing structure. God gave instructions about the 1,200-foot temple to be built to the very centimeter according to his specifications there in the Old Testament. It was awe-inspiring, much of it covered in gold, an amazing, beautiful, holy building. And for generations, God chose to, to come down and dwell among his people there in that temple. But something really curious happened, something that that is hard to describe to, to others of other religions. It was that God himself, Jesus, fully God, came down and dwelled among his, peop his people. 
Jesus lived and he died. And when he died, the writings are clear that upon the death of Jesus, the presence of God left the temple. God changed his address. Jesus ascended to heaven. God's spirit came to to the earth. And it was at that time that God looked at his children, his, his believers, his followers, and he said, I choose to live there. I choose to live there. He chose the beauty and the mess of living within imperfect people over the staggering beauty of the temple. And from that time on, God did not dwell in a place. God's presence would dwell in a person who had come to know Jesus as their savior. God's presence living inside the spirits of his people has a whole lot to do with what we call the church. Did you know that the church was actually Jesus's idea? Did you know that he thought it up? He invented it? Did you know that he launched it? Did you know that Jesus loves the church? But what exactly is that Jesus launched? I mean, when we think of church, we think of this place, a building on a Sunday. You tell your family, it's time to go to church. When people ask you, where do you go to church? You say, I go to the orchard. They say, where's that? You say, it's in Carbondale. It's down the hill from the Catholic church It seems that church must be a location. What is fascinating is that when we think about church, how we interact with it, how we just naturally, culturally interact with it, even though some of you are like, we're being reminded, oh yeah, I know where he's going with this, but we don't treat it like that in our habits, in our lifestyle. You see, while we see church a certain way, those early Christians who who Jesus launched into church, they viewed it much differently because the church that Jesus had in mind that church that he initiated, it didn't have a location. It didn't have an address. It, it, wasn't, it didn't begin as an institution. It didn't start with, with all these rituals. They didn't have traditions. Contrary to some of your hopes, there weren't even some of those old hymns back then. Can you believe it? There was no band. There was no positive, encouraging Christian radio. No. There was no passing the plate. There was no coffee because there was no lobby. And you can't have church coffee without a lobby. You see, there wasn't even a Bible in the way that we think of it. There were none of those things. No building, no facilities, no staff. And from the first jump, the church began as a movement around a very simple idea. Now, first, a little history. Whenever you run across the word church in the Bible... It's a translation of a Greek word. And here's the Greek word. It's ecclesia. Everybody say that with me. Say ecclesia. Say it again. Ecclesia. There's your Greek for the day, okay? All throughout the New Testament, you see this little word ecclesia. And ecclesia means a gathering. It means a people. It means a tribe, an assembly, a congregation, a group, a crowd, a team. Ecclesia is the word Jesus used for church, and it is a people. Ecclesia, it's a people. So when Jesus launched his church, he launched a people. He didn't launch a place. Uh, He launched a people around a simple yet powerful mission with a singular focus. That was his original holy intent. A people who would continue the movement that his resurrection had ignited. A people who would continue a movement, people of the movement, but then something tragic, something terrible happened in church history. As time went on, there was a transition from the idea of this living movement to take the message of a resurrected Jesus, this people, this ecclesia, 
It, 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 tragically, it stopped being about that and it started to be a location. In fact, church became a monument. From a community of brothers and sisters in faith to a, a hierarchy of power, from a dynamic message around a central event, the resurrection of Jesus, instead of that, instead it was a complex system with hoops to jump, jump through. And some greed and some power and some ritual and some tradition. It went from being focused on Jesus and what he did for us to humanity and what we must do to get to him. What's fascinating is this wasn't like a giant step forward. This was a complete giant leap backwards. It looks much more like the Old Testament system of, of going to a place than the New Testament movement of redemption that Jesus launched off into the world. And tra tragically, Jesus' church went from a people to a place, from a movement to a monument. But then something awesome happened in the 16th century. A scholar named William Tyndale, and of course you know all about William Tyndale. William Tyndale, he was a scholar, he was a, an author and a linguist, and he decided that the average person should have access to God's word, that the average person should have a Bible they can read in their language. That's something that had not been done before. Up to that point, only the special, specific priesthood had access to God's Bible. And people, if they wanted to hear it, had to go to a church building, to a service, and listen to God's word being spoken in a language they didn't even know. In Tyndale's era, no common person had access to the Bible. He wanted all people to have the truth of God's word in their hands, in their homes, so he began to translate the Bible into English. His copies began to circulate thanks to the Gutenberg's printing press. And you would assume that the, the religious elite and the church leaders would be thrilled. Can you believe it? Have you heard what Tyndale's doing? He's getting, he's getting the divine word of God. He's getting it out to the people. They can now read God's word for themselves. They could read the Psalms during the week. They, they could read Jesus' words on the week. They could read it themselves. You'd think they'd be thrilled. They were livid. This would take the control of the word out of their hands. In fact, Tyndale became an outlaw. Tyndale became a Bible bootlegger. He had to leave England and flee to Germany where he continued to do his translation work. Eventually, Tyndale was betrayed by a friend. He was brought back to England. He was tried before the church as a heretic and they hanged him. And when That just wasn't enough to hang somebody, so then they burned his body as an enemy of the church. By the time the fire on Tyndale's body was out, it was too late. A fire had been ignited as God's word and their language began to spread. And for the first time, many people could access God's word on their own. Now, what does this have to do with church and the word church and what we're doing here? Well, one thing that led to Tyndale's arrest and execution centered around one important word in how he translated it in his Bible, the word church. You see, when Tyndale got to the little Greek word ecclesia, he didn't write in church. He didn't put that word there. He didn't make it a location. In fact, what he did is he rightfully made it congregation. He made it refer to a people. All this to say, do you see how culturally we have been immersed to believe and behave that we are not really involved in church unless we are at a location, at a service, at a time. That's when I go to church. I go to church there 
at that time, at that place. Now, all that said, I am not going to undo centuries of tradition and modern culture. I am not going to change our branding and call us the Orchard Ecclesia. I understand we're not going to fight that battle. There's some battles you just go, it's the church. But what I do want to do is reframe your perspective of it. What I do want you to do is for us, the Orchard Ecclesia, to never once again go, oh yeah, the church is there at that time. I want to change how we interact. I want us to own the word and change how we see it. In fact, let's look to the verse where Jesus discussed launching the church. It's in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 15. He gathers his disciples together for a discussion about his identity, about who he is, about his divinity. And he says in verse 15, what about you, disciples? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answers, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from a human being. Now, I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Upon the profession you just said that I am Messiah, upon, upon me and your profession of that, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I will build my church, Jesus says. Now remember the word church isn't there, is it? Jesus said, what he said was, on this rock, I will build my ecclesia. What does he mean by that? Peter, in the future, in the coming centuries, generations, I'm going to build my buildings and service times and handshakes and four songs and some, some gatherings, some, some welcomes and a sermons. No, no, what is he building? What is he telling Peter he's going to build? I'm going to build my ecclesia. Peter, I'm going to build my people. I'm going to build the people of the movement. And these people, Peter, and this movement, the gates of death, the gates of hell, the gates of Hades will not overcome my ecclesia, my people, my movement. You see, Jesus did not launch a building. He launched a movement and the very powers of hell cannot stop the movement of God's ecclesia. And he calls you, he calls you not to attend a service. He calls you to something much greater, far beyond that. He didn't call you just to attend a service at a place on a weekend. He calls you to join something, to be a part of something, to be a part of something Jesus started, to be a part of his ecclesia, to be a part of the movement of Jesus' people, to bring life and light and hope to a world that needs it. It's hard for us to shake our old paradigm though, isn't it? We culturally say, I go to church. That's a monument. We rarely say, I am the church. And that'd be awkward in conversation. Hey, where do you go to church? I am the church. <laughs> yeah, but where do you attend? I'm tending right now. <laughs> right now, I'm just, I'm, I'm tending right now. I'm tithing right now in my heart. No, I mean, we, I get it. What I'd love for us to shift to is if someone ever asks us, you say, you know, I'm a part of the orchard. I'm a part of that. It's because that's who we are. God left the monument to spark a movement. And these walls right here, and that gathering center, and that worship center, I'm just gonna let you know a little secret. The presence of God doesn't live in these walls. I want something else. The brick and mortar of this building is not special. And for some of you, that might be kind of difficult. Because you remember, you're not supposed to run in church. And in some places, you can't wear a hat in church, you know? And it could be that being raised a pastor's kid here in Western Slope, Colorado, up in Redstone, that I have a much different understanding of this. You see, growing up, the church building wasn't special because it was dad's work. 
Plus, we never had a real building for much of my childhood. Through my early years, we had church in like a little house on the prairie schoolhouse. One time behind the Coke ovens and Redstone, the generator ran it. When the generator would start running out, the, the, all the, the, the lights, everything would start dimming, you know? You go fill it back up. Oh, so holy. We had church in a freezing fire station where it was so cold, we would wear our, our snowsuits to church. Hats, I know, we wore hats in church. We wore hats and snowsuits, and we would fire up the heater and sing, but you couldn't really hear anything, so you have to get as hot as you could because when the sermon started, you have to hear the preacher, right? And so they'd turn it off, and then you just sit there and go, hope the heat hangs out, you know? We had church outdoors. We had church all over. And then finally, when we became like a real church, the church moved to Carbondale, and they had church in a jazzercise building. I mean, talk about holy of holies. Jazzercise, right? And, and, but, but here's, the, eventually, church moved to the school, my high school, where I went to school. And nothing in the world reinforces that a church building isn't special, like going to a church building six days a week, five for school and one for church. Listen, I know what was happening the other five days. You know? So what is special about this place? And more importantly, what is this movement? What is this movement that Jesus launched called Ecclesia, that we call the church? What is it? Let's turn to Acts 2 and find the debut of the Ecclesia in action. Verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper and prayer. This is after Jesus has ascended. He's left the earth and he said, there you go. He launched the church. He launched Ecclesia, and this is what they're doing. They're devoting themselves. They're doing these four things. The first is they're devoting themselves to the teaching, which is the truth, to fellowship, which is each other, which is community. They devoted themselves to loving God and learning more about him, and they devoted themselves to loving people and, learn, and, and being in community, authentic community with each other. The last two things they devoted themselves to were the breaking of bread, which is communion, but also it's eating, it's intentional godly relationships. It's couples and families gathering together to, to know each other, to, to raise kids together, to have, to have meals and gatherings and finally prayer. They devoted themselves to the relationship, to the pursuing God in their prayer. These were the four hallmarks of the movement that Jesus launched. Four hallmarks of the church. Pretty simple. That's the bylaws right there. But, but wait till you see the results. Wait till you see the dynamic results that came from this. Next verse 43. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miracle, miraculous signs and wonders. They saw miraculous things happen. Listen, God shows up and does what only God can do. And this is my prayer every week. That God will do what only God can do. That no one can take the credit from God. That we would have things happening in our lives, in our marriages, in our kids, and in our, in our, where we're in vice and where we're in sin, where we have anxieties and fears. That God would do what only God can do as we seek him, as his ecclesia. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. I mean, here we see they loved others more than themselves. They gathered it says they gathered in a place. But we're going to see they gather in other places. They're gathering in one place with this size. They gather in another place. We'll see in a, a bigger size. They're gathering all over. It wasn't the location. It didn't say like, and then they gathered at Tim's abode. Oh, oh. Like there's nothing special. It just says they gathered in a place. Because the location wasn't special. It's a movement. It's a people. 
They had incredible generosity. They, they knew everything that they had was God's and they leveraged everything in their power for, the, for the, uh, the other people of the ecclesia and for God's kingdom. They didn't hold tightly onto what they couldn't take with them to the next life. They said, you know what? We're a part of a movement and what I have is for God and for you. And they shared their lives with one another. Verse 46, they worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in the homes for Lord's Supper. They shared meals with great joy and generosity. So we see they go to the temple courts. Now, not in the temple. They didn't go to the priest and go, hey, can you give us, uh, we, we want to give some sacrifices. Um, and they didn't go back to the old system. They met in the temple courts where it was a larger way. They could go and meet there. They gathered. They came together. They shared meals. They shared their hearts. They did life together. They were the church together. The verse keeps going on the outcomes of this movement. It says, 47, while, all the while they were doing this, they were praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. It sounds like they had a blast doing this. All the while they're doing this, they're praising God and enjoying goodwill. They're, they praise God for the whole thing. I mean, this, what a church this sounds like. What a church this sounds like. To be worshiping and following God, pursuing him with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, having him do things that only he can do, and then finding people to do life with, and you're loving them, and, oh, you have a need, I have, a, I have some resources. Yeah, I have a need. Like, just loving and helping one another, and all the while praising God and having goodwill. Meals together. I mean, meetings and laughing and, and crying, real-life situations, gathering in large groups and medium groups and small groups, whatever we would need, loving God, learning about him, loving people. And here's a final part of the verse. It all culminates in one final part, one result of this, this ecclesia. And what's happening, it says this, and each day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Every day someone came to salvation. Every day someone new would show up and go, hey, I want to be a part of this movement. I want to be a part of what you guys got going on. I mean, when I read that, sign me up for that. Sign me up for that church. That, that's a church and a movement I want to be a part of. Not a building in just a time, but a people and a movement who are doing life together, loving God together. The danger is when those things we see right here in Acts 2, when they, be, when they begin to kind of drain of their passion, when they become to be absent, the movement begins to slow down. The movement slows down and it comes to a halt. And sadly, that movement, it morphs back into a monument. A monument is when the movement of God grinds to a stop and the people view what Jesus launched instead of being a people, it's, it's a place, it's a temple, it's a, it's a building. A monument is when people unwittingly hope that God will go back to his old ways of residing in one place and coming down to one building and I go to that building to, to get God. When a church stops being a movement, it devolves into a monument. It becomes a group of people who identify themselves with a structure instead of who identify themselves with a savior. A monument is when a religion is stagnant inside the walls of the building, while a movement is when redemption bursts forth of any meeting to wherever the people would be outside the walls. A monument is where faith is pulled out on Sunday, but then tucked away on Monday. A faith that prefers rituals over redemption and restoration. A monument happens when we choose religious activity with God instead of real intimacy and relationship with God. A monument is created when our preferences of worship music become more important than who we should be worshiping. Where there is a monument, Bibles and faith and stories and testimonies 
get old and they gather dust. In a monument, attenders get complacent. They do not take risks and they choose the comfort of their nice, safe faith over the conviction of a faith that God asks us to risk and step out and be bold. Religion over risk is when the monument wins. It's duty over devotion when the monument wins. God may ask the people of a monument to step out and step up, but sadly, oftentimes their attendance is the greatest badge of spiritual achievement that they'll ever have. Movements die and turn into monuments. And then slowly they lose all effectiveness. And over time, they become culturally and spiritually irrelevant. And we can look at the nation and we're beginning to see the, the slide of the church into being irrelevant as we have constructed monuments and hope that that was enough to inspire people. But Orchard, we are growing into a people who are understanding that God did not call us to a location. Orchard, we are beginning to see that God did not call us to a building. He called us to be a church that is dynamic, that is willing to risk through generosity and, and go and give out money throughout our region. It's willing to risk and go help others and love people, wherever they be. We're learning what it means to love God in our lives and to be the church and love people wherever they are in their life. You see, you, you don't attend the orchard. You can't, you can't attend the orchard because you are the orchard. You are the ecclesia of Jesus Christ himself. When he said, I will build my ecclesia and the gates of hell cannot stand against it, he's talking about you. You are the ecclesia. You see, a monument is a mere religious institution. But Orchard, we are a movement of spiritual revolution that we're going to bring to this region and wherever God would take us. See, we want to affect change through our lives, through our love, through our giving, through our grace, through our willingness to, to invite others into our ecclesia so that they could also know Jesus. You see, this church, we are a people. We are a movement and we are gathering momentum. Have you ever been to a situation and you thought, man, I, I really wish the church would do something about that? We've all had this thought at some point. You see something happening in the community. You say, I really wish the church would do something. And I've had a lot of well-intentioned people call me and say, I saw trash on the side of the road and I just thought that the church should do something about that. And I, what I want to say is, well, what did you do? What did the church do about it? What did you do? If you are a Jesus follower in this ecclesia, you are the church. What you do in a situation is what the orchard is doing. Next time you see a need in the community and you go, I bet the church could really help this person or this situation. And maybe we can and we do. But before you just pick up the phone, ask one more question. God, what would you like me to do as your church right here at this moment? Because it might be that God deployed the orchard ecclesia to that situation and that person right there. Where you are, the orchard is deployed. Where you are, the church is present. When you move, the orchard moves. When you love, the orchard loves. When you serve the community, the orchard is serving the community. Because in Jesus, you and me and we are the orchard ecclesia. We are the orchard church in our culture. We are the church. It is not this place. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Upon this rock, I'll build my ecclesia. I'll build my people. I'm gonna spark my movement upon this rock. And the powers of hell will not conquer it. Our founders stated that we have 
power. And churches forget this because sometimes these four walls hold everything we think church is. But Jesus has stated, the powers of hell will not overcome my ecclesia. And that is us, not in this building, but wherever we go. Our founder says that the evil cannot overcome us. And he calls us today to pause from our regularly scheduled church programming and courageously remember and go forth and be the church. You are part of a movement. Wherever you go, that's where the church is. And wherever you are, God might be wanting you to say something, to do something, to give something, or to invite somebody. You see, Orchard, our church is growing. We've had so many people give their lives to Jesus. We've had so many things, beautiful things in this, in this ecclesia happen. We've had marriages restored, prodigals coming home. We're having people safe from, from terrible situations. We've had many people re-engage with faith. And perhaps the odds are there are some of you sitting here or tracking with us. And for the new year, you have decided to re-engage in your faith and give this a new shot. You're engaging in faith at a new level. Well, I remember this from my childhood, but you're trying it again. You're searching for new faith. And what I want to say is, you are, what you're joining here is not just an hour on a weekend. What you're, what you're stepping into is a movement. And God has been moving, and we are gaining momentum. We have seen God move more in the past year than we have seen in quite a while. God, I say this a lot, God is growing us, the orchard people, and he is positioning us in this region. For what? I don't yet know. I was asking during my sabbatical, I was asking that a lot. He's giving me some clues, but, but he's positioning us for something great. He's positioning you where you are for something so we can work in you and through you to accomplish things that I will never, that others can never. But that's the beauty of being his church. His calling upon us and his favor upon us as a church, when I hear about, when I hear about what he's doing, it just brings me to my knees in humility because, because God is doing things that no human can take credit for, that no leader is good enough for. And that's what I love most about it, that Jesus get all the glory. He is the head of this church and will forever be. You see, God is looking to move in his church and he's looking to move through his church in a mighty way. And here's the truth. This year, this year, God wants to move in you in a whole new way. He wants to move in you this year in a way he has not in the past. He wants to bring freedom to some places where you have had bondage. He wants to bring hope to some areas where you have had darkness. He wants to bring peace to some areas where you have that anxiety. He wants to grow within you character of love and faith, hope, grace, and truth. And not only that, God doesn't just raise up his ecclesia and grow in them. What he wants to do, therefore, after that is to move through you in a new way. Move through you in this place, yes, but out of this place especially. That the very things that he has brought into your life, he wants to move through your life into people around you that you know so that you can bring others to know him. And as others see how your life is changing, as others around you see how your life is changed as you follow this, they're gonna wanna know what, this, what, what it is to be a part of this. And that's our hope that God would add to our number daily those who are being saved. Perhaps 2,000 years after the church launched, we can follow in the footsteps of that original verse and we'll see this in our church. Each day, the Lord added to their number those who are being saved. That's what we want to see in our church, that God continues to add to our people, our community, our ecclesia. So Orchard, you don't attend church. 
Now we do come here. We come here and we celebrate what God has done and who he is. We come here and we, we gather together with brothers and sisters. It mentions that in Acts. It says they gathered together. We do gather. But that, that isn't church. The church is who we are even when we leave. You don't attend church. You are the church. You're a part of a movement of the redemptive power that has divine DNA of heaven in it to transform your very spirit, your very life, and those around you. When he says there's no power that can withstand, that the power of hell can't come against this, do you know how much power that means is in the ecclesia of Jesus? Orchard, this year, before we launch into our new series and all that God's gonna have for us in the coming months, I want us to step into our calling and I want you to reframe who we are. That we are not a building, a service time on Sunday for an hour. We can come here and celebrate and worship and hear truth and pray and have relationships and go to our small groups and, and other groups. But let's step into our calling. Let's stop playing church games in this room and let's instead be Jesus' ecclesia. that where you go, the power of the living God goes with you. That where you are, the power of Jesus resurrected is with you. We will see. We will see God do amazing things in and through us this year. Let us be that movement. Let us be that ecclesia that takes God at his word and steps out in risk and has fun and challenges and we laugh and we cry but we see God do amazing things in our region that we could never imagine. What would happen if we realized that we are the church?